How do we do this? It's been a long time. I, I don't know. Um... Hello, hello, and welcome. I'm Nick. I'm Ryan. And welcome to the Liku Studios Podcast, Free Word Game Review number 98, Risk Factions. Podcast for the week of Sunday, the 27th. Since I've done this, yeah, this has been a. It's been a long time since we rock and rolled. Do we have any excuse? Not really. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Hey, what's up? Not not much. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm a little it's... sick, but. Well, it is the season. Yeah, tis the season to be sickly. Uh, la, 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 la. It's wonderful to be back here in the studio with you. Yeah, it's not bad. I miss being in front of uh, being in front of headphones. Yeah, actually, like this whole setup with the mics and the cat and everything, it's a little thrilling to be back down here. Yeah, right. I got a telescopic screwdriver to fiddle with, and I am set. I mean, look at this. I got we have like an actual computer on the studio desk along with the tablet and the scanner. This is thrilling. It's like all the actually like work equipment is here now. We can do work. The only things installed on here are Chrome, Photoshop, RenPy, and Twine. There is a half-constructed, um, there's a, a, a deconstructed Nerf gun on top of your scanner, though. Yeah. It appears that you were modifying the wiring inside of it? No. Why is there wiring inside of it? Because uh, it has batteries, and when you pull the trigger halfway, it lights up a little light. Oh. It is the Night Finder. It has targeting. Tactical. Yeah. Um, I was going to try and paint that one next. You oh. got to take it apart to paint it. Okay. Yeah. Thrilling. Yeah. You been playing any video games in our long absence? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, yes, but I probably shouldn't be proud of any of them. Yeah, like uh, what? Well, when you showed up, I was playing uh, Burnout 2 for the PlayStation 2. Yeah. Um, I've been... Getting back, I have one achievement left in Tenchu Z, so I've kind of been uh, slowly grinding what, that out. What is that achievement, by the way? Uh, Ninja Five all normal levels. Okay, right. First right. I did hard, and then I did easy, and now I'm at normal. They should really just give you the other ones if you do the hardest one. You would think, but that was early on. They're just like you got to put a lot of work into it. Yeah. To be fair, like if I had somebody to play it with, like doing that co-op is uh, pretty good. Does it have local co-op? It doesn't. No, but it does system link that doesn't require gold. Okay. Unlike freaking Saints Row 3. So there you go. Tenchu Z is better than Saints Row 3. Yeah, I mean, the company that made Tenchu Z still exists, doesn't it? I think so. Boom. Dang. Oh, God, that was mean. Yeah. No, uh, well, Volition got bought. Yeah. Who did it go to? It wasn't Sega. No, Sega got uh, Relic, I think. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. That was super weird. We're not the best news outlet. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing we've never claimed to be journalists because we are like... Was it Cook Media? Maybe. Was it... No, wasn't it BlackRock, the guys who made Dead Island? 
or whoever owns the guys who made Dead Island were the ones who bought Volition? I don't know. Or were they, and then Crytek picked up uh, Homefront? Yeah. <laughs> like, like when that story was updated, it's like, new, breaking news. Crytek bought Homefront for some reason. It was the cheapest sale at 500000 Oh, jeez. It was the only one under a million. Really? I want to say the biggest one was like $26 million or $28 million was the biggest sale out of that whole thing. Okay. So we need to come up with some IPs and then go bankrupt and we'll make all the money. Um, We can snag the Atari ones and then we can go bankrupt. It works for them. All right. Yeah, it seems so. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let's get Pong. No, I'm telling you, I want Missile Command. I fucking love Missile Command. All right, well, okay. Um, my With my slow and steady Python progress, I think a Missile Command clone might be one of the first projects I want to try to do on my own for just, like, let's see if I can remake a thing. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried about, like, that Code Academy Python track because it doesn't, like, I think it ends with, like, some file I.O. stuff and then, like, need to go find some other uh, tutorial bits to actually learn, like, um... Pi game, which will actually let you make games. Yeah, I still like. <laughs> I've done a lot of introductory uh, computer science stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I took two semesters of Java back in college, but like, <laughs> I know how to like sort things and look things up in lists and like, you know, do arithmetic to numbers. Yep. I don't know how to create like an interactive environment. And the thought of that just boggles and gives me a little bit of despair. But yeah, we're talking about a game today. Yeah. Um, We're talking about Risk Factions, which I'll get it out of the way. It's a Facebook game. Stick with me. It gets better. Okay. Uh, We're going to get a mocha. Never mind. Uh, So it's Risk. Yeah. So basically we're going to talk about Risk. Yeah. Because we, I didn't know that Nick was going to talk about Risk Factions before we sat down to the microphones. Well, it's because I've been obsessed with Risk lately. Yeah. Pretty much because you got Risk Legends. Legacy. Legacy. I don't know if there's been a Legends. Maybe that was like the wooden box version that they released. There'll probably be a League of Legends edition eventually. That would be terrible. <laughs> there's going to be a StarCraft edition. Like, yeah. And the sort of thing there is there's going to be like three different factions yeah and all right but i don't know like it all i don't know i don't know i don't know basically my we'll get into this because i have like literally three pages of ranting about what's wrong with risk and how to fix it Mm -hmm. but like we'll get to that okay um because yeah what's risk risk is the game of world domination (laughs) That's what it says on the box. Yep. That's what it says on the box. So what do you do? You got a map of the world, and every turn you get a bunch of dudes who you put down because each territory has dudes in it, and then you attack adjacent territories until you take over territories, and then that everyone takes turns doing that until you take over the world. Combat resolution is largely random. You roll dice, and the defender rolls dice, and whoever's dice are higher wins. So the pretty much like only predicting factor in whether or not you'll win a fight is if you have way more dudes. Yep. Which is a little bad. Um mm-hmm. like in some way it's kind of deterministic because you can look at it and it's like, okay, I have twelve guys and he has two. 
So I'll probably win, but you can't account for whether or not he'll just roll fives and sixes like four times in a row and you'll lose most of your army. Yeah, like that's... You might want to check the math on that. I don't know. Yeah, well, because that's, that's basically what the problem is, is that because it is like the combat resolution is entirely risk-based. <gasps> Whoops. Oh! Is entirely luck-based. Man, I want to risk stat in games now. Uh, but since it's entirely luck-based, <gasps> it's kind of like... The most deterministic you can ever get is this is most probably what is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you sit there and you see things. And the things I've seen, man, I've seen 100 guys go up against two guys and get decimated. It's like Samson up in there. Yeah. Samson and his jawbone. Those are the two guys. <laughs> I believe it was a donkey's jawbone. It was the jawbone of an ass. Yes. Okay. That's a pretty pretty good weapon. Yeah, it is. Um. Because, like, you can poke a guy with the pointy end of it, or you can hit him with the teeth. Yep. It's multi-purpose. Um, but, yeah, it's like a strategy game, and it's something you play with a bunch of people. Yeah, at its core, it's like a, a you know, a world-scale grand strategy game that, that, that concept has a lot of strength to it. Yeah. Like, that's a good place to start, but it gets kind of muddled in the actual play of the game. Mm-hmm. Um. So you've seen a lot of different variants on Risk that sort of add different metagame elements to it without changing that core dynamic. What changes in Risk factions specifically? Uh, okay, so there is sort of power-ups, mm-hmm. which basically you get them... And then you buy them with your Facebook money. No, actually. Like, okay. they do a pretty good... Basically, the Facebook money... Kind of like, you know, in the better Facebook games, basically all it does is it allows you to play for longer stretches at a time. It's basically all Facebook money will get you. Okay. Um, which is actually kind of good because if you don't want to put in Facebook money, it forces you to take breaks. Yeah. Um, but basically what they change is there's, I want to say, four different factions which each have unique special weapons. The way special weapons work is you have, like, a pool of them and... When you take over territories, you get the cards. Mm -hmm. The cards can be one of three things. A number of weapon tokens, one to three. uh, Bonus troop deployments, bonus troop movements. Okay, so they just just allocate those directly on the cards rather than having you trade in the cards for stuff. Right. Okay, I like that, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. And it's like, what is it? You get to pick one of three cards, Mm -hmm. and they play like a three-card Monty with it, so it's still kind of random. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there is sort of like a chance. I I think I'm good at three-card Monty because I swear I get what I want most of the time. Um, It's like Persona with the shuffle time. Yeah. Uh, And so basically what happens is you have these different weapons. It's that sort of – there is a Farmville aspect to it of your home base. This is basically in order to um, put units into your pools that then you can use in games. It's basically because you can play like five games at a time, but you're all pulling from this sort of – player level pool of weapons and items okay um so and it also works across single like computer versus and live versus uh because they do have the sort of asymmetric human multiplayer in there Mm -hmm. um which sides right into your facebook friends so you can play with whoever you want um that's one thing that they got doing pretty well is that aspect of it uh so but then like the weapons are some of the you know the kind of things if you play the future risk like some of the cards in there so like one is you place it down in a territory and that territory and all adjacent territories you you roll an extra attack die okay uh there's one where you place it down on a continent 
and all of your dudes in that continent, their highest die is increased by one. Wow. There's... Yeah, it's pretty good. And are these, like, time-limited? Like, do you use that token and then that's only active for, like, a turn or two? Some are based on a turn count. Some are based on once the territory where you played that weapon is taken over, you lose it. Okay. Um, was it? There's one that, uh, one of the, and it's different by faction, so I basically only know the human ones, which are the free ones, I believe. Either that or you just gotta, like, rank up really high in multiplayer matches to unlock the other ones. Or okay. Or really... I think it's based off of the whole Facebook feedback thing of, like, you know, when, like, the more friends you invite to come play it, you get more stuff. That's a little grody, but it's not bad because you're still playing, like, if you aren't doing that and you only have, like, three or four people to play with, then you're all playing a very even game. Mm. Um, So that actually worked out all right. Are the other factions, like, bug aliens? Uh, Well, you get the human factions free. There's zombies, cats, and computers. Okay. Um, the cats have an airplane. So this game has a tone to it. It does. It's kind of goofy. I'm okay uh, with that. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, um, what is it? Uh, just more with the weapons. I've seen one. The cats have a dander, which is basically an airplane, and then every every time an opponent attacks on the continent where that is, they roll one less on their highest die, and that's only available for a turn. And... The robots had one, which was a cardboard box, which hides the number of troops in your territories. Oh, wow. Across all your territories, and it's not time-limited. That was really powerful, actually. Okay, but, I mean... hmm. And then it's got the whole thing. So, like, sometimes uh, when you beat a game, you get to play a little, like, memory game to try and earn these by hand. Okay. Um, If you do the whole friend and play the Facebook aspect of it, you can just generate them over time, because... Like, every time you defeat units, you get a little bit of coins, and then you go back home and you pay coins to, like, sort of uh, tap your different buildings, and then they'll generate troops, or they'll generate yeah, tanks, or they'll generate whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, how much, um, like, game is there to this, like, metagame home base thing? Because I didn't realize it was, like, a, a state list, like, outside of all of your games, you're drawing from the same, same pile. It's how much face, how much game is there to Farmville? It is that much. So you plant tanks, and then as long as you check up on your tanks, like, once every day, they'll grow into a good flock of tanks Yeah, for you in, like, a week. Yeah. Okay. It is it is less game, more incentive to check it every day or every couple of hours. Because that's the other thing. Like, um, what is it? At, like, you can level up and get better versions of the buildings, and you earn skill points. You earn skill points by winning games. The skill points unlock bigger buildings. So, like, I have, like, troop marches and then, like, a barracks, and the troop marches will give me, like, 16 dudes in 15 minutes, but the barracks will give me, like, like 20 dudes in an hour. Now, if you're drawing from this pool, like, if you've just been playing this game longer and so you generate more troops and stuff in your home base, does that translate directly to getting more dudes on the game board? No. Okay. That still follows, like, general risk rules. Which of, is like, actually, territories divided by three and whatnot. It's territories divided by three, but not with that rounding silliness. And then just, you always get three. So it's, like, three plus territories divided by three plus continent bonuses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I actually like a bit better because you kind of always get, like, at least four unless you're dead. Okay. Um... Which actually, that's one of the notes I have is new algorithms for figuring that out. But we'll get to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it's risk. Um, 
you can make your what is sort of different is you can make your move whenever you want during your turn. Okay. Um, you can deploy whenever you want during your turn. That's weird. Yeah, but so it means like I can say like okay, I got like you know I got ten dudes I can place down during the turn. I'm gonna place five here, make that attack, see how far I get. If I want, I could put you know more into it and continue the attack, or I can put huh. them somewhere else to rebuild. Okay. Um, can you like carry those dudes over for multiple turns? No, they're okay. not carried over between turns. Um, then again, if you didn't put them all down, then they don't come out of your overall pool, which means you'll be able to play longer in that case. Um, yeah. Cook. And then, so, so that's the thing. Like, you know, if on a turn you get to put down 16 dudes, you need at least 16 dudes in your dude pool from that metagame in order to put them all down. Now, does that also mean that you might be limited in playing a game by the fact that your opponent has run out of men to play and so doesn't want to take his turn? Yes. Okay. Um, but usually like a turn is like, at longest, it'll give you a turn of like 24 hours. Which means, like, you have until tomorrow to generate a bunch of dudes and start playing more turns. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's usually not that bad. Especially since, like, you can get dudes at, at, like, without playing too much of that metagame between, like, 15 minutes and an hour to get more dudes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like, right now with the way that I'm playing, I'll get about 60 dudes an hour if I pay attention. Wow. Okay, yeah. so that's enough to play a lot of Risk. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, you know, I can use those dudes up in maybe about 10, 15 minutes, but that means then you go do Jesus. it. Jesus. You got, you, are you playing, well, like, a bunch of games at the same time? You can, but even if you just play a single-player game, you, you take turns really fast. You know, playing against computers, you just, you know, yeah, you can yeah. skip their turns and just see what happens, and you're, it's just you taking turns over and over again. Um, and, yeah, like, that's, it's pretty much risk. It's got a bit more flexibility. you got the special weapons. Um you can use them in a pinch. Those carry over between games and such. You can play mm-hmm. them whenever you want. Um, and it's kind, of, it's kind of a dumb question, but it's not just one-on-one, right? Like, you can play games with a bunch of people in it? Yeah, you can play, like, I think up to at least four people. Okay. I don't know if I've seen what bigger than that, but I imagine you could probably do, like, at least a six-player game. Because, actually, just thinking, like, that... In playing more Risk now that I have this legacy set that I'm more interested in, that's actually been a problem of just, like, getting everybody together to play Risk. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, having it be on Facebook in, a, you know, a time-shifted environment where it's just like, okay, I made my turn. My turn will come around again eventually once everyone's done their thing. And just having it kind of being a running thread in the background, that's actually... Yeah. Sounds fun. It's not bad. <laughs> it works. Um, especially then when you have like, you know, two games against a computer and then one game against people. And then if you want to play more, it's there to be played. Mm-hmm. Um, they have special single player maps. Oh yeah. Um, so it's not just always the world. Like each one of the factions has like some, I won't go so far as to call it backstory, but like you can go to the cat continent, which is a different shape mapped. Uh, there's a bunch of those. Um, okay. I wouldn't really call them campaigns, but are those available for multiplayer too? I believe so. I haven't started a multiplayer game in a long time. Um, there is this idea of map mastery, where the more games you win on specific maps, you gain mastery over them. I imagine that is like a more of that meta game thing about like once you become a master of this map, you get this special building. Okay. Um, there's a lot of um, purely aesthetic pieces. Like, uh, was it Caitlin visited my home base and gave me a boost on a unit, and also like gave me a gift of a barbecue pit. So now it's just broken down, and it's like, here's all of my dude generators over here. Here's my barbecue pit. Damn it. You're making me more interested in this thing. Yeah, I know, right? Like, it's because, like, the, the Facebook hooks aren't actually that gross. 
kind of the grossest part of it is that it's risk. <laughs> yeah. So because you got the new risk and I never played much of my future risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, for Christmas, Caitlin's brother got MGS risk. Um, this all comes about because of an abundance of risk variants yeah. lately. Um, which is interesting because like the base game of risk where it's just getting dudes, there's something not right about it. Like I don't I actually don't think risk is a very good game. At its core, no, I don't think so either. Like it's fun because you get a bunch of people together and you vie over territory and you make all these sort of dynamic relationships in the game, like, oh well I don't want to attack him because he's dealing with him and if he doesn't drain his troops away, then I'm gonna have to worry about this border. And like that part is fun. But the actual mechanics of like combat resolution and stuff is annoying and bad. I do like a uh, big rolling lots of dice. Yeah, rolling, rolling dice lots of dice is fun. Ro- rolling lots of dice is a very good mechanic. Um, that would be interesting. What if we just said you can roll as many dice as you have dudes? No, that'd be bad. No, it would be all right as long as the defense can also do that. It would speed the game up. Yeah. Listen, man, I have like 127 D6. Yeah, I mean, you've got bricks of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at one right now. Yeah. Um, But you said you, you have like pages of notes on thoughts of how to improve risk. Yeah. Um, Because for me, like all of these other weird metagame things, like uh, perhaps I should speak specifically about this risk legacy I've been, that I actually got for Christmas and we've been playing a bit of. It's a game of risk where you have these sort of other... Uh, mechanics coming in, like, faction-specific powers, like, one guy gets a free troop in his headquarters all the time, and one guy can troop move whenever they want, or one faction, rather. Um, And in general, so far, encounters, like, the games have been much smaller, because, like, you start with one territory and only a handful of troops. So they've been, like, small and fast, and it's not played until, like, world domination, it's played until another victory points are met. Uh, but the other main push about it is that every game you play permanently changes the board. So you're founding cities and you're placing bunkers and changing the values of continents mm-hmm. and such like. So all of this meta stuff is really interesting to me. But actually playing the game, we've like had situations where like Nick was yelling at us to eliminate him from the game because even though he wanted to keep playing... He wanted to see what would happen when we opened the packet of cards that says open this when someone's eliminated. Mm-hmm. I wanted that more than I wanted to keep playing, and that says something about like the core game. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. They do sort of like a scattershot way of doing it because they have like cards and they have changing the board. You know, it's not they have stickers to put in the rule book. It's not the scientific method. It's not that idea of change one thing at a time. It's yeah. like three or four things are going to change about the entirety of how you like we just uh, the last one we got introduces a drafting system so that people vie over different um, like starting troop count and turn order and such like. Yeah. So you have to choose with like, do I start with more resources or with more dudes or with better placement and or the faction that I want? Yeah. See, because, like, the faction powers, I think, is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the idea of, like, like none of them is particularly better. Because, like, when you choose whether you get ten troops or six troops, one of those is clearly better. Yeah. But when it comes to the factions, it's just like, well, which one of these better suits my playstyle? Well, we have gotten to the point where one of the factions has, has two more powers. powers than the other ones. Yeah. Um, 
So that's kind of a solid choice. We need to eliminate more people so that we can get more powers. Yeah, right. See, but that's the thing. Like, it's it, my it, desire to see what's in those boxes and, like, develop this game more than it is to actually play the game of Risk that's driving my yeah. desire to play this game. It is. It, like, like, And that's the thing. Like, that's what makes this version of Risk, like, a really good version of Risk because they've done something great that kind of has nothing to do with Risk. <laughs> it, like, it, it mitigates the problems with the core rules of risk by giving you something more interesting to chase. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Like you could do this with Parcheesi. You could do this with chess. You could do this yeah. with Stratego. Imagine Stratego. And as you play more games, more different kinds of pieces are introduced. Oh God. Oh wait, that sounds really good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but what is it? It's sort of the, um, I'm trying to think where this all sort of came from. Uh, and like the first version of Risk I remember playing that had these sort of very really big game changing mechanics to try and sort of take well because okay so the problem with Risk as like a core game mm-hmm. is that it is based on like a lame duck it is a like I generally find that like within the first two turns you see who has more territory yeah like, with and who has put borders on them and then they will win about eight or nine turns later yeah um, and that's really the problem with Risk is that it's it doesn't have that um, the uncertainty of outcome, which builds tension. Mm. So it becomes it's sort of like you know you get that uncertainty for a couple of turns, and then everyone just gets yeah. Like the the most recent game we played, like I started in South Africa or South America, and Brian started in Africa, and like you and Jesse were in Europe and Asia. So there wasn't a lot of competition for me. So I was just like, okay, turn one, take South America turn like i think it was four or so was take north america mm-hmm. and then win yeah. you know because brian didn't fight me yeah and that's why i won and i was too busy trying to take all of asia which meant that i never got any troop bonuses so all i could do was slowly take asia yeah even when you took one from me it was like okay that didn't actually affect me i'm still slowly taking asia yeah um and even with that meta game like the way that we've been going is like, it's interesting because over the course of multiple games, you like about halfway through, we're getting this idea of like, you know, it's not really Australia centric anymore because, you know, Australia has been made better for certain people. Yeah. And it's also, you know, become worse for everybody else in a sense. But then, you know, even what's going on around Europe where that's getting like really reinforced, Mm. but also now it has like plague and stuff on it. So really, it's interesting because like each section of the board is gaining its own risk reward strategy. Yeah, um, like there's good and bad things about everything. Because and anything that gets too good, the players decide, okay, let's nerf it. Mm. It's almost sort of you know trying to create a better board by iterative design. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, I, I think, but only uh, by uh, adding things. Yeah, a problem is that I think a, a, you can't do certain things in that system that I think the board needs, like adding more land bridges. Like I think yeah. there should be a land bridge between Madagascar and Australia. Well, we think... don't we don't know what's in those other packages. That's true. <laughs> One of them might just be a marker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you've been brainstorming for the past couple days about just approaching risk from the core and shaking things up. Mm-hmm. Could you discuss some of your notes here? I would love to. Um, so so like I was saying, like. The, the core problem is that um, the game, you know when the game is over really quickly. Mm. Um, and Future Risk, I th- had a solution to that, 
which was they set a hard limit. The game is five turns long. Yeah. Um, or five rounds long. Yeah, five rounds. So, you know, everybody plays five times and then it's over. I think, uh, the, the moon and underwater sections also give a way to mitigate that because, like, if you see that you are losing in some, like, on, on the land, you can take the risk of, like, okay, well, now I'll buy this naval commander and now I can compete in this new sector that no one else has bought into yet and get bonuses from that. Mm. Yes. We actually had a game, uh, last time where somebody got a major, push uh because they were about to get off the earth and so they went to space and took the moon and were able to hang in a bit stronger for a few more turns Mm -hmm. but it had the same problem of like the person who was doing best started doing better yeah um which is sort of the other problem uh but like, like that's sort of what the main thing is like the reason why it's over ending the game earlier like works without fixing any problems because they're just like well the game goes on too long because it stops being interesting after a point so instead of trying to make the rest of it more interesting they just say we'll just end it earlier yeah yeah um but like the real core of it has to do with how you get dudes Mm. because um what do you call it it's whoever has the most land and holds on to it then gets more guys and then can get more land. It's a positive feedback loop. Yeah. That's why it only takes like two or three turns to know who won. Because mm-hmm. at some point, they are just so powerful you can't do anything about it. Um, and that's where like all the cards, like Legacy has cards, or le- yeah, Legacy. Legacy has cards, Futurist has cards, MGS has cards. That's why they've sort of, a popular thing to do is come up with this card system where sometimes it's like, you know, uh, destroy however many troops in this city or mm-hmm. all the nuclear cards. Where it's like, you know, randomly one of the territories on the board will lose one unit from every territory in that continent. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sort of tried to either give little boosts to the losing players or give them ways to sort of take out the bigger players. Mm. But I think like they haven't figured out like good way, like good rules for that. Like all the ones in future risk, I don't think we're that good. The ones in legacy, I think are all right. But, you know, in that event card that we played, like, mm-hmm. there are things you can do as events that will, you know, majorly change the game, and that mostly will happen, like, six or seven times. Yeah. Lest if cards get destroyed. I think some of it might fall on the players, because I think at some point, like, you know, if you see, you know, one guy is getting powerful really early on, you know, there's nothing to stop the other four, you know, three or four players in the game from just saying, like, Okay, guys, let's just stop fighting each other for a minute, and anyone who's able to attack this guy, do it now. Yeah. You know, just to try to impede him. Um, Like that game we played. If anybody had attacked you, then we would have done better. That game would have lasted a lot longer, for one thing. Yeah. Um, Which, actually, that's one of the things I was thinking. Okay, so I have, like, a lot of... Sort of this problem of, like, the game loses uncertainty because quickly one player will gain power and they will continue to gain power. Yeah, and that increases their ability to gain power. Yeah. So that's... I, ha- I have some, like, solutions to try and do to that. Um, uh, one of them is um, a different way to end the game earlier. Okay. Which was just, in Futurist, they have that board to keep track of how many territories you have. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty simple. Like, once one player controls more territories and the rest of the players combined, or, like, twice of that or like one and a half times that just end the game and they won 
because essentially they have won. Yeah. Um, if they were allowed to get that far, nobody's going to overtake it. But again, I was thinking like, well, ending the game earlier was how they tried to fix it before, and it turns out that didn't really help. Yeah, it's a bit of a cop-out. Um, so that's why I was thinking about, let's see here. Yeah, game over when player starts. Um, just change the metric for gaining troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so personally what I was thinking was if you remember the um, escalation mode from Halo Reach? Yes. Do something more like that. Where, like, if one player is getting more and more, that affects everyone. So he will continue to get more, but the game as a whole increases in scale. Okay. Um, so that way he still has the advantage, but nobody, like, nobody gets left behind that much. Mm. So, like, you know, whoever the biggest guy is sort of defines, like, the minimum, and then it's vying for little changes over that. Because that leads to, uh, leads to subtle changes, and it leads to the fact of, you know... And, and that's the other thing, is being strategic about it. So would that be like, you know, if one player gets, you know, 12 troops a turn, like just add one or two to the troop count, everyone else gets two? See, that's the thing. Like, I, I didn't think about that too much to actually figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm just, I'm just, like, you know, I'm not trying to give hard numbers. I'm just trying to say, like, that, that sort of concept. Yeah, that sort of concept. So, okay. like, you know, however many troops the biggest guy got, like, he will, you know... Everyone else will receive at least half that number. Okay. Plus something. Like like I said, like there's so many but basically just to close that gap. Mm. So that way controlling a lot of territories doesn't necessarily mean you will get the most guys. Because I know a lot of the games that I've lost or just barely held on in mm. is because every like and that's the thing, because like as soon as one player is putting down twelve dudes and uh, there's at least one guy who's putting down, you know, three or whatever the minimum yeah. is, and he will put down that many till the end of the game and it's the same that he was putting down at the start. And, like, first of all, for that player, it's not fun. No, it's like, not. you give up hope. And also, it's uninteresting because, you know, mathematically, you can tell how this game's going to go. That That's the game prior to the one we played, uh, prior to our most recent one, where I think I started in Japan or something. Like, I made the mistake of starting in Asia. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I never gained enough ground to, in the way that everyone else did. And I was just like, well, I am not really a player in this anymore. Yeah. Guess I'll just kind of wade this one out. That's what happened to me in Asia. Wade? Wait. I don't know. Just bite down and try not to die. I'm just going to doggy paddle over here while you guys are racing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, like, you know, the the other way they sort of try to change how the game ends is with the victory points. Yep. And in MGS, they go by um, objectives, which actually doing a little bit of research was sort of the default version of the European release of Risk, which was called Secret Mission. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've actually played with those rules before. They are much more interesting than just the default world domination ones. Yeah. Um, which, Secret Mission, everyone sort of has a victory condition from the start. The way mm-hmm. MGS does it is that there's like, there's four minor and four major, and you like, I think it's like two minors equals one major, and you gotta get a total of like four first to be the winner. Mm-hmm. Um but then those missions are like open information, like everyone knows yes. what they are. Okay, and everyone can vie for all of them, mm. and and they change per game. Like you pull those eight out of a pool of like eight major and eight minor. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I and think then, there might be a, a structure like that eventually in Legacy, because um, I know that there is a missions like slot on the yeah. little sideboard, but we haven't uncovered what that is yet, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, or even if that's something where, like, you know, here is a, like, a submission, and it's like, if you complete this, then turn this card in and get extra troops. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I thought about was, 
there's a frustrating thing about you know if you f- if you take your turn and you fight to like gain a continent, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually I was reading up on like high tier risk risk strategy guides. Yeah. Um, and one thing they were saying is this idea of like uh, always take territory in threes. No, like this idea of uh, mutually agreed contested territory. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, like, there's one territory that, like, three or four players can get to, and every turn they just sort of, everyone takes it on their turn. Yeah. Because that, that way people can just farm cards. Yeah. Which is weird. But also, you know, when it comes to the, the continent control, it's, you know, if you fight with everything you have to take the end of a continent, then, you know... There's at least, you know, then everyone else gets a turn before you get the reward for that. Mm. That is also super frustrating. Yeah. So I want to try playing the game with one difference. You get troops at the end of your turn rather than the beginning. Because then however many you took, Interesting. you get those for the defense. Yeah. I Like, like that is one, ch- leave everything else the same. That one change, I think that would make the game feel very different. I don't know if yeah. it would be better or worse. But I mean, it, it's something we'd have to play to find out. Yeah. You're proposing um, doing risk science. Yeah. Oh, dude, risk science. Um, we were talking about how sometimes one player becomes too big and then they just win. Mm-hmm. Ways to encourage players to attack the biggest player. Mm. You know, it, it's it's about points. It's about yeah, you know, incentivizing we, that. We want the player to behave this way. We'll reward them for this. So imagine something like, you know, um, the way you gain cards. Mm. Uh, if you... Um, like, normally attacking a player, you need to take three territories to get a card. You need, uh, if, okay. you, if you take a territory from the largest player, you only need to take one territory to get a card. Is it really three territories for a card in the original Risk? I believe so. Okay. The, the, uh, in future Risk, it is at least. Okay. It, it changes depending on the uh, the variant. Oh no, I, I think it is because there's no like un you know there's no uncontrolled territory in original risk. Yeah. So that's yeah. Um, but yeah, or or like you know, taking something from the biggest player, you'll you know you get something back for it. So there's a reason to always fight the biggest one to keep him from getting too big. Yeah. And that way, everyone stays sort of even. That'll keep the truth count even. That'll keep the that'll keep the uncertainty and keep tension up mm. over a longer time. Um, or it could lead to a stalemate. Yeah. Is actually the thing, because part of it is, um, what do you call it? The, there was a game I was playing on Risk Factions, the online one, for a while, where it was me and one computer who was on, like, medium or hard, mm-hmm. and it seems the way you make a harder computer is he will take more territories on a turn. Okay. Like, I think, like, easy is they won't take many territories, medium is they will sort of take territories but maybe overstretch themselves, and then hard is they'll take territories just enough to leave a good border. Mm. Um, and that game was getting really annoying because we had like, you know, we were fronted on all sides by each other and it was always just like, all right, which stretch of territories are, is he going to take? And then I will take back this turn. Yeah. Um, and at that point the game didn't end. So there needs to be, there probably should be something a little different than just that, uh, just keeping everything close together because then the games won't end. Um, I was thinking of sort of a mechanical game counter. Uh, I don't think we've ever talked about Apocalypse Girl on the podcast. I don't think we have. Which is sort of a shame, because that's an interesting game. It is. Uh, But, you know, it's the girl, the dragon, the world, and the gun. 
Mm-hmm. And just the idea of the gun is, you know, anyone can use it, but it hurts everybody when it's used. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking what if we put, if we want to have like a turn counter, a, a doomsday clock for risk, you know, I'm just not a fan of like set time games. Yeah, I would really think yeah. it should be like, you know, no game should end because people hold on to the end of time. Mm. Like, that's not good. It should always be won by like somebody made There it. should be some kind of event that ends it. It, it must be won through effort. Mm. Uh, it's the way to, like, so like, even if it's like, like somebody's going to put like the final effort and, you know, all or nothing. Like, I like games that end that way. Mm. Um, so something like this, like anybody could use it. And then after it's used a certain number of times, then the game is over. Um, you could even have it work the other way. Like, as people use this thing, everybody gets better. So, like, you get a small boost, but then overall the whole game. It's about whether you want it to escalate or become more of a struggle. That's yeah, yeah. a different... That's talking about the theme of the game. I mean, yeah, we, we talked about this before, and you mentioned the idea of, like, having the gun maybe... Be, or, you know, or metaphorical, the gun in this situation, be, like, something that gives you a handful of bonus troops or gives you a combat roll bonus, but then decreases the number of troops that everyone gets forever. Yeah. Um... And the other thing we brought up was the idea of needing to have, like, multiple people sign on to using it. Yeah. Like, you need to say, I'm using the gun, and then somebody at the table needs to second you, which I think is an interesting idea. I think it's an interesting idea. I'd want to, like, I think that will, I have no idea what to think about that idea, because, like, depending on what the gun actually does, both, you know, Mm. its benefit and its danger, like... I feel that, like, if it hurts everybody, and that means that at least more than one person has to sign off on it, that makes it interesting. It also depends on what it does for you. Mm. Um, actually, sort of to look into that idea, I pulled out my copy of Supremacy last night. Oh, yeah? Which is basically risk, but a bit closer to Axis and Allies, which is risk, but, like... With supply chains and such not. Yeah, um... This, this is Cold War risk with nukes and satellite defenses and such. Yeah. I was basically looking at it for the nuke rules, mm. also because there are L-stars, which are laser satellites. Yes. And there is an offensive maneuver called an L-star clash, and that is why I love that game. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, And that, that was... Uh, Sort of the way they play around with nukes in there, I think, is really interesting. Wasn't um, it that when somebody uses a nuke, like, it affects... You know, that combat or whatever, but anyone who has an L star in the air can intercept it, even if they're not involved? There's a couple of ways of of doing it. If you launch a nuke at a territory, the player who controls the territory can try to shoot down the nuke. Also, using a nuke affects the board. Like, once, mm. a, once a territory is nuked, that territory is out of play, which yeah. I want to get back to later. Um But, like, once a territory is nuked, it's out of play. The player... If the player defending has L-stars, he can try to shoot down the nuke, which it's a one in six chance of the nuke getting through. So it's a really good idea to get at least a few L-stars. But then also somebody could space blast, which is to uh, fire a nuke into into space space to destroy all the L-stars. All L-stars of all players. So that's why everyone can take a turn to try and shoot that one down. Yeah. Um, Or you could just have L-stars shoot at each other, at which point it's kind of a one-for-one if I hit or if you hit and we just go until we're out of satellites. Kind of like risk combat is. Yeah. Burp. Um, but the... But it's kind of hilarious because we just have our auxiliary space satellites shooting lasers at each other. It's an L-Star <laughs> yeah. clash. Thank you for designing that game, Mr. Robert Simpson. Thank you for that phrase, mostly. Yeah. Um, and also the game. 
But then also, uh, in order to start using nukes, you need to put a lot of money into it. Mm. And, like, it's something like there you get actual money, like Monopoly money in that game, and you need to pay, like, $500 billion, which, to be fair, like, the smallest denomination is $100 billion. Um, but you need to pay, like, $500 billion every time you want a chance to make a nuke. Oh, yeah. And isn't there something where, like, somebody needs to research nukes before anyone can actually start using them? Well, everybody needs to research their first nuke. Okay. After that, you just need to pay the creation cost of the nuke. Right, but it right. it costs money to research to be able to make nukes at all. And then it, there is an end condition in that game where once too many nukes have been used, everyone loses, right? I believe so. <laughs> Which is... No, no, that's something else. I'm trying to remember what that is, but that's something else. I thought it was in there. I might, uh, I'm also kind of thinking of Arkham Horror, where if too many portals open, or there's too many monsters you lose. Yeah. Um, maybe it's in there. I didn't read all of the... I was half asleep reading those rules, but I okay. read L-Star Clash and got happy again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so the idea of, you know, just making it so there's a lot of effort before you can use the big things. Mm. Um, talking about the way that territories can be taken out of the game, that's... Kind of why um, Futurist was one of my favorites, because you only get one game board, but at the beginning of each game, four territories are nuked and are impassable. So yeah, every yeah. time, even though it's the same board, the like starting state of the board is different, and it affects the way the flow of that game will work. I think the reason that it, that works for that game board is because there are more sort of routes for travel yes. in the you know the undersea routes and the moon route. Uh, because I think with the default risk board, one of the problems with it are the very uh, – there are very narrow choke points in that game. Yeah. Um, like in, in that situation with me in South, Af- in South America, I keep doing that, mm-hmm. and Brian in Africa, like all I had to do was, you know, every turn just take a troop or two from my – you know, deployment number and put it in the one way he could attack me. Yep. And it was always just enough to deter him just um, because I had a handful of extra troops in one territory. What is it? Uh, I looked up the numbers. It's on the wiki page. Asia has five borders. Europe has four. North America and Africa have three. South America has, has two. two. And Australia has one. Yeah. So that's why the game is Australia-centric and Asia... Yeah. Divergent. Because where it, it kind of has the setup for the risk-reward thing, where it's like, oh, well, if you can control Asia, then you get, like, you know, it's even more than three times as many as you would get from Australia. It's so much more, but it's so much more impossible to take Asia. Mm. that it. I don't think I've ever played a game of risk where someone has gotten the troop reward for controlling Asia. That I've been able to get it playing against easy computers in... Uh... In the PC version, but mm. Asia is always like the last one I take after I already have all the troops and can put like a decent amount on every yeah, border. Just like, oh well, I just got twenty troops, so yeah, let's take Asia. That's the thing. When Asia is taken, the game is over. That, yeah, that could kind of just be it as well, because uh, you're not going to be able to take it before you're in like that powerful of a position. That's just what Asia is. Yeah. What if we just like refocus it so Asia was in the middle of the board, and everything was around it? So it's everybody sort of constantly fighting over Asia. And it's, it's like everyone gets sort of like a starting territory. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the because that's kind of how the game works every way. It's like everyone sort of takes a continent and then luck decides who gets more than one continent. And then somebody gets big enough that they can take Asia. And then if somebody can ta- is big enough to take Asia, no one can stop them. Risk. Hmm. 
So rather than have the map be Eurocentric, it's just Asia-centric, and then redraw, like, borders accordingly. See, Like, uh, land bridges accordingly, I guess. Uh, I'm talking more of, like, just, like, a, a visual, just shift everything over a little bit so Asia's in the middle and not Europe. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, what you could do is, I'm almost thinking, like, redraw the map, almost yeah, make yeah. it, like, Chinese checkered, where everybody has, like, their little starting section. And, and then, then there's, there's territory in the, the middle. middle to compete over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or like uh, the way the moon is on the future risk, like it's just three territories in a perfect circle, and then there's three entry points. Just do that. Make that the center of the board. Yeah, yeah. Maybe have like land bridges connecting the outside. I think I'm seeing a really good map in my head right now. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Be sure to sketch it out when we're done here. Yeah. So you'll get it down. Um, I can do that right here, as a matter of fact. Um, because I know that there is. It, it's strange because I. For all the different variants of Risk, like, the base map of it always seems to stay very much similar. But I know that for other games, like, Diplomacy, like, a large part of the replay value of that game is in It looks the... like that. Yeah, yeah. Is in the variety of maps. Like, there are people who play Diplomacy on, you know, hypothetical, undrawable maps. Yeah, where which everyone, is really nuts. You know, I where everyone starts in a territory that borders every other territory, and then it's just a purely mental game. But, you know, there are other less high concept ones where it's just like okay instead of this map of the world we're only playing on this map of mediterranean countries but the map is much more detailed yeah you know instead of playing on this map of the world we're playing on this map of middle earth and such like that like i almost feel like um the way the dead handled it or perhaps that um how to host a dungeon thing Mm. like maybe some like random map generator yeah yeah Um, even just like Placing out tile sets, like... um Yeah, that could be interesting. Zombies did it, where they were just, like, tile sets. Just, like, every tile is a continent, and then you just randomly place them down so they're connected in different ways every time. Mm. Um, which, again, so, like, like creating more dynamic maps, um, either by some very extreme change of it, by creating new maps, which, again, Risk Factions on Facebook has multiple maps yep. for, for bigger replay value. Um by nuking sections to change the layout. We the game we played, like two places in Europe got nuked. So Europe like was bordered by Asia and then one point in South America. And that game really uh, Africa you mean. Uh yeah. Like so like So you couldn't get in through North America through the Greenland connection? You couldn't get in through the Greenland connection and you couldn't get in like there's only one border with Africa rather than oh, like normally okay. there's two yeah, or yeah. three. So that game changed immensely. Until one player got too many troops and then the game was over. Well, I mean, eventually there's got to be an ending point and you don't want to, like, because I, I, I see, you know, the problem of, you know, using your momentum to get more momentum. Then it's just kind of obvious that someone has won, but the game hasn't ended yet. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, like, you have to kind of avoid, um, you know, like putting blue shells into your game pretty yeah. much. Well, and, and that's... That is the hard part about yeah, game design. That, that's about, difficulty. Like, like, you want positive feedback, but you don't want that steamroller effect. You want there to be uncertainty. Mm. Um, the other way to fix a dynamic map, just before we completely get off of that. Sure. Um, Legacy does it with the the city stickers. Mm-hmm. MGS has city tokens. So rather than nuking, like, instead of nuking four territories, like, eight territories randomly get cities. And they become more valuable to keep it. And hold. they become more valuable. Basically, it just changes the flow of the game because yeah, it's not it, all it, about it the It refocuses you onto specific points. 
which that's it. So this is my one page, which I think we just, um, I think we basically just took everything that I have on it. Um, and then my other page is basically some of the things that I would add into like uh, my variant of risk, like star road, like one of the notes on the, my version page is just, there is a moon. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that whole difficulty scale thing. That's a problem I always have is because I end up designing games that end in stalemates because mm. I make everything like even this map, you know, this concept map that I drew, everything I make is always like supremely symmetrical and yeah, like yeah. That. but like, you know, make a perfectly symmetric map, but then just, you know, change where cities are or change certain paths. Like the, that. the thing is, if you have a game system where, you know, your, your conflict resolution is largely random, then sort of homogenizing the, the starting positions and you know just the starting states of all the players i think leads you towards a point of just stalemate yeah yeah and like that's like to to have it actually be you know to have uncertainty in it you need to have more of a means for player skill and player choice to you know more strongly affect the outcome Mm -hmm. than to have chance be the strongest effector of the outcome yeah so and so that actually goes to sort of the the page of these notes where it was my version that just says Star Road VN. Okay. Whoops. Uh okay, those are notes I can't make public. Oh my. Uh, are they too lewd? Um Basically like because I try to make these very homogenous things, it's like, okay, well, now it's not about who gets the best area first or who becomes biggest first because I want to avoid that because that's why this game is sort of bad and boring because it's like whoever gets to Australia and then another continent first wins. Mm-hmm. Um, more things for the player to do because, like, the card system is pretty good because now you can change the world in other ways. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the card system because that is too random. Mm. I want it, it, it's, I feel it should be about the strategy. Yeah. Which I think means that, like, there should be a lot of things that you can do that affect the world in different ways, but they should all be available to you, and it's entirely about how you choose to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the randomness is, you know, goes into, like, you know, not everything you do will succeed, and then it's about sometimes you will fail, and then you will need to change your strategy to account for that failure. Mm. Um, the way uh, MGS and Legacy have a similar system of being able to turn uh, cards have resources on them rather yes. than just purely being like equal, and then you trade in resources for um, troops for troops. Mm-hmm. Um, because Future Risk and MGS both had like a cash system in it, yes, uh, which I think is really annoying because that feels like too many things to keep track of. I think it was interesting how it was used in uh, Future Risk as also like a bartering, like a, a bidding system for turn order and such. That was really cool. I keep saying and such. Yeah. Oh. Happens. It's been a while. We're still, still getting warmed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I did like that part of the system. Um, bidding for turn order is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, in Legacy, they're doing it with the drafting. The last time we played Future, we actually did it without it because nobody wanted to go through all that bother. Okay. Um, is there like another... Again, that's, but that's also more about this, like, homogenous thing. Like, if there's nothing that happens in between rounds, then, mm-hmm. like, where the turn order starts and ends shouldn't really matter. Yeah. Um, like, e- even with Legacy, because as long as, like, everybody is starting far enough away from each other that, like, you can't interact on the first turn, then 
it kind of almost doesn't matter where you go because at least one round will go by and it doesn't matter what order it was in. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what's the word? But this idea, uh, and and even legacy, they don't have that separate cash value. There's no. just you know, you get cards, and some cards are worth more, and that matters with the territory. Some cards are just cash. Mm. Um. So yeah. Basically, I'm thinking buy more things with territory cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just have give them different ranks. Uh, so part of it is that Futurisk has the three sizes of troop pieces. Yes. Where it has the one, three, and five, whereas Legacy and MGS both only had one and one three. And three. Um, so I had like this other piece type to play around with, and I was like, what could that be? I'm thinking some sort of super unit. Mm-hmm. The idea of the boss is about rolling D8s, you know, make them expensive, make them something you have to give up for, but make them, you know better some way i'm thinking you make like like basically you have cities which mm-hmm. um count four territories possibly also as a defensive bonus okay um have a defensive unit that rolls a d8 on defense have an attack unit that rolls a d8 on attack they both count as units so basically then like you either tra- like if you trade one card you get a unit if you trade two cards you could get like four units or one super unit um Basically, like, different amount of cards will get you different bigger weapons. So then there's the idea of, like, here's a lot of things you can do. It takes a little while to get the resources to do it, but it's all the same, so you need to choose which one of these you want. So mm-hmm. there's never, like, this idea of, like, well, I have enough cash to do this, and I have enough cards to do this. It's always just like, no, you have one resource. Choose carefully what you want to do yeah. with it. And that is, like, strategy. That is tactics. Yeah. Um, But I'm thinking, like, attack and defense units, which would be, like, on the same tier. At any point, you can just get, like, more regular units and just make yourself overall stronger. Um, Buying a victory point, if you want to do a buy victory points. Maybe, like, trade in a number of them to found a city, at which point a new city token goes on the board. Um, And if you want to have nukes in there, Mm. have, you know, have, like, the highest tier be nukes. Yeah, I think some way of, uh, like, affecting troop numbers in a way other than direct combat... Um, whether it's like some kind of special artillery unit or like, you know, I bought a missile and now I'm using this missile. Um, I think that would, that's a solid option. Yeah. Uh, again, like either. See, it's kind of weird to me because it's like with the like affecting troops, mm-hmm. it's always kind of like, you know, at max, the attacker rolls three, the defender rolls two. Mm-hmm. So. Until like unless you're knocking it from two down to one or three below, yeah, it you're really affecting matter. you're affecting the number of battles there is, yeah, because like probably like there are certain set probabilities about any individual combat roll, mm-hmm. and that just kind of sucks. And the thing is, you always want to roll the most dice because that is the best way to do that. So, but so in that case, what matters is how many battles there are and how much territory there is, because there is a certain probability that you know, like. It's on the wiki page, and it's kind of interesting. It's this big table that says, like, you know, the attacker has this many, and the defender has this many, and just they calculated the probabilities where it is. And it is pretty much a line sort of diagonally down it, but it is slightly stuttered because attackers roll three and defenders roll two. Somewhere starting around, like, four or five units, the attacker is slightly more likely to win the entire encounter and take the territory. Huh. Yeah. 
So it skews more towards the encounter, uh, towards the attacker, as the total number of troops increases? Yes. Strange. Well, just because, uh, again, because, like, you know, at most, anybody's going to lose two. Yeah, yeah. But the attacker will still get three numbers yeah. and choose the best two. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Even if the defender wins ties, it's still not as strong as just having the other role in there. I don't know. Defender winning ties is pretty great because then the attacker could roll three of the highest. If the defender rolls two of the highest, the defender wins. Yeah, yeah. It Like, that actual mechanic of how combat is resolved isn't too bad. But there's this idea of, like, you know, number of troops doesn't really... It, the, basically, the thing is, like, because it's like that, you need to destroy, like, at least four troops in a territory before it actually affects the important outcome, which is who wins the encounter, not who wins the roll. Mm. Um, it's like, yeah, like, if you like if you could fire, like, a bomb and that kills, like, four dudes, that would actually matter. Yeah. Um, or the, the way that scatter bombs did it in Future Risk. There were a, a, a bunch of bombs in Future Risk. One was, like, kill one from every territory, which worked... If you're hitting, like, territories with only one dude's in it. Yeah. Because then you're taking that territory away, and you're leaving a big open hole. Um, yeah, like, there's a lot of ways. But there were scatter bombs, which is like, you know, look at one territory. You will destroy between one and six guys by random chance. Yeah, which, yeah. That could be useful, because that is either, you know, not that great, or it's superb. And at least it's targeted, you know? At least it's yeah. your choice that's affecting the most important thing of, like, where is losing the troops. Yeah. Um... But yeah, like basically making like like turning in cards for just pure troops is one thing, but turning in cards for other options yeah, of activities. Because I think you know basically we just need to keep tiering that because it's something mm-hmm. like you know like you know a super unit which is small and only works on offense or defense. But then it's like you know taking out one territory, taking out a bunch of territories, taking out you know of changing the board by creating a city or making a territory go out of play. I just had a weird flash here. Okay. What we're trying to create here is kill streak rewards for risk. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if anything, I think they're more satisfying than kill streak because when it's not your turn and people take over your stuff, you don't lose that streak. Yeah, that's, that's true. Because that is basically what you get. And it's just about, you know, how long do I want to keep building up cards before I use them? Mm. Um, I think that's a pretty good idea, honestly. I do, too. Um, just increasing the, the range of tools that you have to play around with, I think, is a good idea. Because, you know, in basic risk, you have one choice. It's do I attack or do I not attack? Yeah. Do I attack where? Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, have like more tools available to you. And again, like I'm very much behind everything is available to everyone and it is about choice. Mm. Um, cause you know, if it takes, if you need to conquer one territory to get one card and you can conquer, you can pretty much conquer at least one territory for most turns yeah. as long as you're doing decently, even if you're not doing decently, like unless somebody puts up a gigantic wall, you can do that. So then it's just about, it almost becomes this cold war. Mm. Every couple of rounds are just like, oh, when is he finally going to bust that out? I've actually had games mm. of Classic Risk. I, I used to, I think I used to play Classic Risk a lot with my family mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of acted that way because the way it, it ramped up in Classic Risk was like you always traded in three cards to get more troops, but like the first person to trade them in only got like four, and then the next person got six, and that next person got ten. Yeah. And it just ramped up like that. So it was just like this constant thing of like, okay, we all have five cards. Who's Nobody's gonna... bought any yet, but 
which one of you is going to do it and lose? You yeah. know, which was kind of a bad thing because, like, it was available to everyone, but, you know, you doing it just made it better for everyone else. But having you able to choose from different options yeah. from and a pool of things available to everyone. It's like Gradius. It is like Gradius. <laughs> can we have can we have Spaceships. an option that if you pick it more than like two or three times it starts to be detrimental to you like Gradius? Oh, Cuz if you pick speed too many times, Gradius kind of becomes unplayable. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it just needs to be like exponentially better. Cuz like like that's mm. it's weird. Like that number is a sliding scale of like turning in for purely troops mm-hmm. cuz like it starts at 1 to 1 and it ends at 1 to 3. Yeah. Um which is neat. Uh but it, it needs to be this, like, risk-reward waiting system because, like, you know, if if you don't turn in fast enough and everybody else turns in too fast or turns in really fast, they will only have a slight advantage, but they will have an advantage much sooner than you have one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, figuring out exactly what those power-ups are and, like, how they work and how much they're worth, that's sort of what I have in here. Um, using cities to create... Uh, creating, like, a more... Like a more equal board that you know isn't naturally particularly centric, mm. um, and then using the cities randomly at the start of the game in order to affect like how the game will shift game to game. I think that's mm. a good idea. Um, Catan kind of works that way, doesn't it? Because you have you the, you could play it because you play knowing at first the sort of general nature of the board, knowing what resources are where. Yeah. But then you only learn their probabilities after you place your, your starting settlements. And yeah. Like, like, it's kind of weird, because it's like, you can put yourself... It's weird, because, like, you can choose to put yourself in a good position, but then, like, there's a chance that it is, like... Then it is either... Then you find out whether, like, it is not actually that great, or, like, not great that often... If it's a very median position, or if it is actually the if best it's position just ever, excellent. Yeah, it's like you can choose to do well or poorly by what's available. Catan placing the cities—that's what bounces back and forth. That's specifically what I was thinking of oh, with the drafting okay. process. There we go. Okay. Um, that actually, that opening of Catan is is interesting. I think that's worth a separate examination at some point. Mm. Um, which is weird because we already had an episode where we talked about Catan. Didn't we? We did. <laughs> um, yeah, the only thing I really can't decide on is an ending condition. Because I like that idea of, I like the gun idea where, you know, or even just like um, sort of the event deck. Where at that point, then you want to mm-hmm. have rounds and, you know, at the end of every round, uh, an event will occur. Sometimes the event is just the game ends now. Um, mm. Going by, you know, victory points, the idea of having headquarters. Um for the game, you know, I'm trying to create, ideally there would not be that but basically like if if one player having too many territory like having a certain threshold more territories than another player is a good time to end the game, then I think something I have not designed the rest of the game very well. Mm. Uh so I'm trying to avoid just saying that. I, I think the headquarters is actually a, a good sort of design in that it allows you to defeat someone without having to go through the tedium of taking, like, every single territory you control. Yeah. It's just like, okay, look, like, if you were playing smart, you would be defending this thing. And if you were defending this thing and I beat you, then I beat you. 
Yeah. And if you weren't playing smart, then I beat you. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing. One of the variants I was reading about uses headquarters, but when a headquarter is taken over, that player is eliminated from the game. Yeah. I'm curious how that would sort of really change it. Because then you wouldn't necessarily make borders around the territory you control, mm -hmm. which is what you do now because you want territory to get more troops to keep your territory. But, like, you would you would probably be, like, more likely to make sure there was a good border around your headquarters. Yeah. Because that is, like, literally your weak spot. Like, because, like, if you do everything well, but then at one point luck doesn't go your way, you could just be screwed. So you'd want to defend against, you know... It would make you think more about what happens if somebody gets through yeah. rather than just let's see how far out we can keep it. Yeah. And I think that would really change the way people play. Um, I don't know. You know, I think that is one of those things that, you know, we would see later if that is a good rule. Um, mm. You know, change as little as possible at first. Um, and then having a moon or having a star road or something like that. That goes back to redesigning the map to try and either negate choke points or, you know, create specific ones or something like that. Yeah. Um, I like your Star Road idea with the specific warp points and whatnot. Yeah. Well, because all, like, all I'm doing with that is, like, man, so MGS was weird because there was Outer Haven. Which was a roving moon. Which, yeah, which was, a, it would dock. There was one point on each continent where it would randomly dock, and then you could attack from there, and you got a bonus for attacking off of Outer Haven. Gosh. That was weird. Yeah. Um, was there just like an Outer Haven plate that you moved around the board then? It was a miniature shaped like, shaped like a big submarine. Okay. From from 4. Yeah. Um, also, that one is weird because there are boss units. Did it have Mount Snakewood on it? No. Oh. Sadly. MGS was weird because there were boss units. There was like eight of them. You could only have one at a time as of, compared to like Future Risk where you only get, where you can have all five out, but there's yeah, only yeah. one of each. Um, there was like eight of them. Each each faction could only have one at a time, and they each had unique abilities. Like uh, Vamp would, when he was in a territory, the last unit there would need to get defeated three times before he was removed. Um, and something like Ocelot, every time you're in attack, every die is plus one. Wow, which made Ocelot the best one. Like, yeah, that's insane. And also, I it was just really weird because the bosses themselves were not units. Yeah. Which is really weird. How would they be removed then? How could they be destroyed? If when that territory goes away, oh okay, then just... the boss goes away with okay. them. Yeah, they they. It was a lot like the way the weapons are placed in uh, risk factions on I, Facebook. I do want to play that now? Yeah, yeah. It's not the best version of risk, giving you more, giving you the ability to deploy at multiple points and take your movement at any point during your turn. And also sometimes have more than one movement during a turn. That gives you a little more freedom. And yeah. again, like I said, you know, imagine this one change to risk where you reinforce at the end of the turn instead of at the beginning. Like that makes you feel better because it makes you feel like, well, now that I know where my borders are ending up this turn because all of the randomness of attacking has already been decided, now I'm going to defend better. We could actually test out the reinforcing at the end of your turn in risk faction, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. We could just choose to do that. We should try that. We should try. We should. Or just get like one other person because playing with a board is pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. And then we don't have to take an hour break every twenty minutes or so. Yeah. Um, I think I I should have an like a an original style risk board in my house. That'd be cool. 
you can do it like most of the variants like I know Futurist like they just say it, all of the all of the territory cards have like the the unit things on it so you can do it exactly like yeah um, yeah you can exactly play a classic risk just with the new board yeah um risk yeah like I think it has a number of problems basically in that you know you very quickly know who's going to win the end of the game because they probably won't be defeated and that's as you know because there is enough positive feedback that once you see somebody is a bit stronger like unless everybody takes him down he will be the stronger player for the remainder of the game yeah um but this Facebook one is pretty good. They changed a little bit of the rules to make it a little more easy. You can make you can make more choices. That's mm. what yeah. deploying and moving that... at different points. You get to make more choices, uh, which makes it better. All of the weapons they put down. I haven't seen one that's like particularly overpowered. And there's never like a, a really big like defense of them. Um, like unless you just commit troops to defending them. At which point they almost become like another border, which is interesting. Yeah. And, and again, is another choice. Yeah. It's actually that that's kind of another way to, I mean, you choose yourself to put focus on different points on the map. Yeah. Cause that's like the thing. It's just like, I have this thing here now and I value it. A lot of them are continent wide. Yeah. So you can put it somewhere in the map and it'll change how people have to go. Like put it in like a really far off section of the map and then like, it'll affect everything, but people need to fight to get it done Mm. or go in the back way or something. Um, but yeah, this Facebook version is actually pretty good. Um, until we finalize these rules, do some testing and put out our Liku Studios risk. Yep. Uh, look for a PDF of that coming sometime soon. We'll do a Kickstarter if people, uh, express a want for a print edition. But yeah, risk factions, uh, just go to Facebook, put it in the search bar at the top. It'll come up. It is an app. It is popular. Uh, I believe Hasbro put it out because Hasbro owns a risk license these days. Please do not enable automatic feed updates. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or do. I mean, it's not like... It's actually, it's actually like... A, it's not like I look at friend, Facebook all day. And B, it's not like I'm your friend. It does a lot of those ones where like you can share with Grump. everybody. But those are the ones that most people skip anyway. Like There's yeah, yeah. not many occasions to specifically bother people. Like, hey, I brought you a deer. Guys, I took your all. It's this kind of thing where it's like, if you want to brag, that is there, which means you have the annoying sort of personality that you would put that stuff out in other people's feeds anyway. Yeah. Um, so that works out. Uh, put that in. It's fun. Um, there will be a link to it in the show notes. The show notes can be found on our page at likustudios.net slash podcast. Uh, there you can find all of our other episodes where we talk about other games. We talk about other game design stuff. We talk about bullshit and coffee sometimes. Yeah. Um, while you're at sometimes we're just like rap rap Mega Man, those are pretty good episodes though. (laughs) Yeah. Um, while you're there, uh, you can read our web comics, including aloof and not aloof, uh, not aloof. I'm trying to get a push to get it to a hundred episodes and then maybe see what it takes to get a book printed. Okay. Um, but that's probably not going to happen until after Genericon because I want to make some work for Genericon. Mm. And that's what I'm using the art computer for. Also, game stuff right now is bigger um, because a visual novel is its not exactly a picture book. It's more book pictures. Yeah. Um, it's a novel with visuals. Yeah. But it, a lot of visuals according to my skeleton. If you want to keep abreast of any updates in our, I don't know, 
various fields. Uh, you can find information on Twitter at twitter.com slash Aliku. You can find us on Tumblr, aliku.tumblr.com, alikustudios.tumblr.com, aliku.tumblr.com, aliku.tumblr.com, and on Facebook as well. That's why you're there playing Risk. You just well, head over there to playing Risk. Facebook.com slash Aliku. Yo, that's us. If you want to watch some videos or maybe play some games or eat a ham sandwich or however that song goes. Uh, see the face of your newborn child before it's born. Yeah. Your unborn child. That's a little gross. You can find the podcast in the iTunes Music Store and the Zune Marketplace. If you want to give it a thumbs up, a five stars, uh, I mean, we'll take a four stars. Yeah. A friendly review. We do have, I want to throw this out there, um, on uh, the podcast page on our site, there is a category for promos. So if you uh, want to share the news of us, if you have a podcast of your own and you just want to, mm-hmm. we have pre-made little promos you can throw in and let people know about us that way. Promos, maybe we should look into seeing, like, is there anything worth cutting together into, like, a sampler? Yeah, could be. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that works for what we do. <laughs> Just, like, here, here's stuff we've talked about. If you know any of this, then we're talking about stuff you like, so you should listen to more. We could have a gag sampler and a game design sampler and a make a dumb noises sampler. A game design sampler would actually be cool. That's a good idea. We should work on that, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so until next time, uh, this is us. This is we. This is the royal eyes. They see gold. Saying, uh, remember to give credit. Credit is 25 cents per play. Uh, I think it's about three Facebook coins. I can't stop the recording on this computer. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's got to take his headphones off to stop the recording. Spike them.